Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. New Yorker here moved to so many places around the country, finally landed in Tennessee. And guess what? We're in the middle of a snowstorm. The flakes are the size of golf balls. No, baseballs today. It is snowing. I can't see the street. I can't see my lawn. I never expected this. And it's only January. I hear we're going to have about six degrees above zero tonight. Well, it's warm and toasty and I can pay my electric bill. Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, my Monday night joyful party. I have three wonderful guests I met at the recent National Publicity Summit. Happy to have them here. And we're talking about just creativity. What do they do? How do they do it? How do they design their life? What do they do for a living or not? Are they retired? Are they happy? How does it all work for them? So I'm delighted to have you all here. And my guest, before I introduce you, first of all, wave hello to LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Let's get a good, oh, there you, oh, they're good waivers. Very good waiver. <laughs> I, spelled without the I, W-A-V-E-R-S, right? Mike, we didn't sign any waivers here. I want you to all make the shape of the letter L for me, please. And we're going to do a quick shout out to LLL. So on the count of three, join me in hello, LLL. One, two, three. Hello. Hello. Well, that was Jordan. Last week they were perfect. This week they're just as perfect. So, Jordan, you can write down two weeks into the new year and we've got perfect LLLs. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's a dancer I met in New York years ago. We've stayed friends. And at 6.01 p.m. Eastern, Mike and Julie Beth and Cindy, LLL will email me and she'll tell me what you all said on the show, just like a little book report. And she'll tell me how much she enjoyed hearing all of you. She doesn't watch us. She listens. Okay, so there you go. I don't know what the weather is in New York, but she can tell me. Laura put that in the statement. Uh, she lives in Whitestone, and I've been trying for years to take up a fake GoFundMe, Cindy, to pay for Laura to move to a place with an L. And I was going to move to London, and then I realized that I tilted my head when I looked at London and the... N in London turned into a U, and I landed in Loudoun, Tennessee. So I'm trying to get Laura to come here and join me because it would be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in Loudoun, Tennessee. There you go. So I have a little poem to read, and I want you all, each of you to please just wave hello when I call your name in the poem. This was co-written with ChatGPT, so there's a little AI and a little bit of human. Last I heard, Julie Beth, a.k.a. Radio Red, is still a human person. So there you go. There's, there's, there's a guarantee. So welcome to Read My Lips, where creativity Conversations Glide, hosted by AKA Radio Red, her red mic, the Airwaves Guide. This episode unfolds the spirit of creativity with a trio of guests, a radiant unity. Mike Major, wave hello, brings his artistic grace, 47 years creating a visual embrace. Bronze sculptures and books a creative spree, an 1877 church where his art is set free. Mike, welcome. I hope you enjoyed that. Julie Thank you. Beth, I did. You're welcome. Julie Beth P. She, she Her last name is hard to pronounce, so she just goes by, you know, one one letter name wonder. Julie Beth P., a paramedic retired from NIH, National Institute of Health Studies, to EMS admired. Now crafting a book with wisdom and wit, please don't water the fake flowers, a sure hit. 
Julie Beth, welcome. Nice to see you. And Cindy German, G-I-R-M-A-N. I've trained myself very well to say that right. A <laughs> consultant so bright in epidemiology, she takes her flight. A nonfiction debut with love from above, and she'll explain that. A voice from heaven, testament of a mother's love. Cindy I like, I'm glad you like that. Watch or listen. It's your choice. Join me, a.k.a. Radio Red, and hear my voice. The spirit of creativity. Our episode unfolds. Authentic voices. So many tales to behold. So what would you all think? Did you like it? Loved it. Very good. Uh, good. Very good? I've started to use ChatGPT for my openings, even on my technology shows, and people seem to really enjoy that. So I'm glad. So let's go around the table and get some introductions here. We won't play the uh, we won't play the Zodiac game today. I want to get right to it, so we have plenty of time. Mike Major, you're up first. Would you please regale oh. us? Take about three minutes. I'm putting you on full speaker view, Mike. Just warning you. Everybody's going to see just you. Go ahead and tell us about who you are and what you do. Well, happy to be here with you and with Julie and Cindy. I'm an artist. I've been an artist for a long time, as you mentioned. And I do live in a 1877 church that my wife and I restored many years ago. We, After leaving New York, I had been inspired by the lofts, the open space, and finding an abandoned church with such a big sanctuary, just, it was irresistible to buy it. Jane cried. She thought, well, it, it had been abandoned 50 years, so it was in tough shape. But uh, we restored it and then ended up on HGTV for a number of years and uh, have had a lot of press about restoration. And we've raised four children there. Uh, one of them is an architect. Another one is in health management for Nationwide Children's Hospital. And our twin boys are both engineers. But uh, having been an artist, uh, my first studio was in that church. Uh, and the kids would come home at, uh, at night and we would... Uh, they would see the artwork happening, but uh, we were able to take time and spend time together as they were growing up. Um, but uh, I come to a studio now where I can do larger sculptures. I uh, came here to another building we owned in Urbana, a small town in West Central Ohio, when I had a commission for Ashland University to do an eagle with a 14-foot wingspan. Whoa! The church, the church wow. studio was too small, so... Uh, this building had a loading dock and uh, a much larger space that I converted into a studio. And I'm sitting there now and uh, enjoying our zero degree weather uh, outside and looking uh, and feeling warm inside. But I do paintings, drawings and sculptures, but sculptures are really my primary interest. I think the highlight of my career came in the last uh, five years when I've done a couple of larger-than-life Lincoln monuments for Dayton, Ohio, one for downtown Dayton, where Lincoln gave a campaign speech in 1859 on his way through, and then a, a second Lincoln to celebrate his signing of the Soldiers and Sailors Asylum document, which was the last document Lincoln signed before assassination. Uh, it created the uh, asylum, which became the VA, the Veterans Administration, which was managed out of Dayton, Ohio, initially. And that is a seated Lincoln, equivalent to 14 feet tall, uh, if he were standing. Uh, Lincoln is a favorite subject, so that's a highlight. But I've also done a number of other sculptures of uh, athletes and, and leaders, uh, people out of history. Uh, so delighted to be here with you. And uh, 
enjoy. Thank you, I'm Mike. waiting to hear the other guests. <laughs> Thank you. Very impressive. The 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 big wingspan. Just I think we all gasped when you said 14 <laughs> feet. That's that's gargantuan. And it sounds like it takes patience, it takes commitment, and a lot of skill. So I admire what you do, Mike. Thank you so much for that story. You're, and let's move around to Julie Beth. Julie Beth, welcome. Let's hear from you. Go ahead. Yeah. Um I'm just going to have fun today. That's why I wanted to do this, just to have fun and talk about it a little bit. And uh, I want to first tell you where the title of my book came from, because I think a lot of people think, well, what are the fake flowers? Well, we have a family beach house, and um, we use it, and every girl gets it for X amount. And I was asked to water all the flowers in, because the next person was not going to be in for five or six days. And um, my mother-in-law did not want the flowers to go to, to pit, you know, and so it got back that um, when um, Elizabeth went in and who watered the flowers and um, she told my mother-in-law that I had watered the fake flowers too. <laughs> and it, it dawned on me, I kept it in my back pick, hip pocket for several years because I was doing my management, EMS, and all that. And I thought it was going to end up being a children's book. And I decided, no, not a children's book. I don't have any children. How can I write a children's book? But at the same time, um, I had a weird medical situation that kind of changed my life. I went from the being on the provider side of medicine to the patient side. And I thought, this is what happens when the fake flowers aren't watered. You can't get to the bottom. You sink or swim in the system. I said, here's my book. And um, and the reason why that came up was because I literally had, a, had um, a physician get in my face and said, you're not a doctor. Stop trying to be the doctor and just do what I say. And I thought, just went to the car that day, took a deep breath and said, I've got a book here. I've got to do something. <laughs> but I didn't want to do it like a normal because I've wanted to be a writer since I was in second grade. I can remember with Mrs. Cooper, my favorite teacher at Ferry Elementary, asked us all what we wanted to do. And I said a writer and everybody was saying everything else that was normal. Astronaut, nurse, mommy, you know. And she said, you can be a writer. You can be a writer, and I'll never forget that. And, and then my second semester in college, I came home and said I wanted to change my major, and my parents said, no, you can't be a writer. So fortunately, I did a lot of writing in my job, but it was very more technical and studies and research. And so I, I and then when you go to graduate school, you write a lot, which I, I had fun in graduate school, but I didn't take that path. I decided when I got to the end and was going to get out, I'm like, they don't really appreciate my gifts. I have to do something where my gifts are really, and I've always liked saving things. We, I grew up on 25 acres of land, and I was always saving little critters. I always saved a lot of rocks. I couldn't get wait to get home to get in the streams and find something else I could save. So I had been being a paramedic all through grad school, and um, just kind of got into that career and into the management side of things. And um, another one of my mottos is uh, that I did in a lot of the teachings I, I trainings I held was if you're going to make a mistake, please make a new mistake. And I think that's what's helped my books really a patient, patient little blue book. Do y'all remember the little blue books in school? Mm -hmm. And it's based on five little parables and it gives them these aha things, the do's and don'ts before they go to the doctor that are really critical. 
because the only way we're going to help the system is if the patient is prepared. Your systems will always have failures and cracks. I was a system specialist. That's what I did a lot in my management job was, and I can tell you, as my spouse says, I can pick a gnat's hiney to death. <laughs> I'm going to end on that. <laughs> a place to end. I have to go back to a, a group view here. Oh my goodness gracious! Well, Julie P, it's very Julie Beth. It's very very nice to see you, hear you, and we'll have to see whether we're going to get a sequel in the follow up to that last statement. I've never had a guest end their bio quite that way. I knew you were unique when I met you at the summit. Let's move on, Cindy German. So happy to have you. Let's talk to you, Cindy. You're on Speaker View. Please tell us who you are and what you do, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Red, because uh, I've watched some of your shows and, and I love the energy. It's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I, I am a scientist. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people think that scientists aren't very creative. You know, um, uh, I uh, spent 40 years in epidemiology and biostatistics um, designing uh, clinical trials and observational studies to look at how medicines work. Um but, you know, throughout that career, uh, I had to be very creative because you always have constraints mm -hmm. and you always have to be very creative about how you're going to go about designing this study when you don't have but this many patients or you don't have but this much time or you don't have but this much money. And so I think it's uh, scientists are very creative in that respect. Um, mm -hmm. But I got to flex my uh, my creativity muscles um, uh, in the last year because, um, as you know, Red, I uh, I co-wrote a book with my son after he passed away um, two years ago, and um, it it. I had to be very creative about how I put that together <laughs> because it, it 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 was it really transcendental conversations between my son and myself really early in the morning using automatic writing and um, so uh, he shared with me a lot about his journey into the afterlife and what it's like there and so many mind-boggling you know uh, things about the afterlife it really sparked my imagination and my creativity because um, so many things were revealed to me that I didn't know before and um, and I am somebody that really enjoys learning I always told my kids if I'm not learning if I if I quit learning in my job I'm just going to be really bored so I have to leave. <laughs> Thank you, C Cindy. When uh, how long did it take you to write the book? And I will tell you that I'm writing my novella, which is a little bit of a an almost murder thriller, sarcastic, uh, complete satire. When I have a gnome de plume picked out, because if the people I based it on knew I was writing. I would need to get Julie Beth to be an EMT or to solve the murder for me. So, yes. <laughs> so the point was that, and I've written some romantic comedies that I did as plays in my, my TV studio in New York when I was there. And I know that, and Cindy, I hope you take this the right way, but when I'm creating characters, they talk to me. They, the words just pour out on the page. I'm not saying, oh, what would he say next? Quick, quick, red, keep writing, keep typing. It's coming. And I'm sure, Mike, when you're creating your sculptures or when you're doing your artwork, it just talks to you. And Julie Beth, well, yours is more fact-based. But uh, so I want to ask you the question, Cindy, when you're writing with your son and 
condolences, but it looks like you're doing well and doing something wonderful with the experience, which you we wish you wouldn't have to have. But Cindy, is is he talking to you like he really was or like a character? Do you mind if I ask that? No, question? no, I don't mind at all. Um, first of all, I was encouraged to write the book in six weeks. Um, it took actually eight. Um, and Excuse he me? did he did communicate to me. I didn't hear his voice, okay. but his thoughts in almost full sentences popped into my head. Okay. And that's and then I frantically, like you were doing, I frantically <laughs> write, write, wrote them down and that turned into the book. It took me much longer to edit the book, you know, uh, for grammar and, and proofread it and, and structure and the I've only been working on mine for a year and a half. So six <laughs> to eight weeks, Mike's eyes went, what? And Julie Beth was like, is this woman for real? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Well, I've, I've got this urge to get mine done and ready. I'm trying to, I'm working with a writer who was on this show a couple months ago, and we're trying to form our own little publishing company. And we've picked a name and we're bringing in an artist to do book covers and I will do editing and I will do a special podcast for our clients. And nice. um, we're going to do social media and we're going to do book formatting and we have a lovely name. I'll tell you off air. I'm not ready to I'm not ready to divulge it. But one of the words on Mike's book is part of the name of my company. So we'll get to that later, perhaps. Okay. So thank you all for the bios. Thank you for sharing who you are. And I appreciate it. And Cindy, thank you for watching the show. I, I have a lot of fun on radio. As you know, this is what I do. People say, why do you do radio? I say, because I like talking to smart, interesting people. And the three of you are smart, interesting people. So that's why you're here. Okay. So this is the part of the show where I've asked each of you to please send me a fictional quote from a movie or TV character, not a book only, but a movie or TV or a song lyric. And you're going to explain in your own words what that quote has to do with your creativity. So Mike Major, I looked up like I said something. Never, ever, ever, ever. I'm just going to read a little background on this. I had a lot of fun looking this up, Mike, and then you're going to talk to us. So the quote is from Porky Pig, the animated character in the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes and Mary Melody's series of cartoons introduced in 1935. No, none of us were around then. The oldest continuing Looney Tunes character, Porky Pig, ap appeared in 153 cartoons in the golden age of American animation, and he was the first character with star power. So his most distinctive trait was a severe stutter, for which he compensated by replacing words. What's going on might be what's go what's happening? So he substituted another word. So the quote, the iconic line Mike Major has picked is the that's all, folks. Well, the show's not over. Laura, LLL, we're not ending the show early. Not yet anyway. It's only 20 after. Mike Major, what has this got to do with your creativity? Talk to me. My wife is a speech pathologist, and I've always said that I didn't stutter until I got married. Uh, so uh, <laughs> kind of a joke on her and on me, too. But uh, she's, had, uh, she's been a very successful speech pathologist, still works with kids, although she's retired, but can't resist uh, helping little kids that have speech problems, even stuttering. So what does this have to do with your creativity? Because you're the guest here. So you picked it. What? What? How can we move this to what you do? The, the, that's all. Well, there has to be a sense of humor in everything. Uh, and uh, there's always something going on that is funny. We have to laugh. I remember that eagle that I mentioned. The wing fell off when I was getting ready to transport it to the foundry. So it was Ooh. still clay, which is a, a plutonium-based clay, a base clay. And I, I fell down on the wing and I had spent weeks and weeks putting the feathers, details on this wing. And I thought, okay, here I am laying on my back on top of this wing. 
It's going to have the imprint of my back and my my belt. Mike just froze. You, you just froze. Okay, go ahead. You froze in the middle of your sentence. Mike, I want to direct you to something that it says my internet is unstable. We're having a major snowstorm. We're in blizzard now. Wow. I can cannot even see outside, but I think we'll be okay. So, Mike, my question to you is, as with any art, sculpture, drawing, anything, painting, uh, the large forms that you do, how do you know when you're done? So I'm going to make that quote, your quote. How do you know when to say the, 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 that's all, folks, and a piece is done? I'd like to know that, and I think Cindy and Julie Beth would too. Mike, just give me another minute, please. Tell me. Okay, sure. It, it's, a, it's an interesting thing with sculpture because there's always something more that can be done, uh, unlike with painting and drawing. Um, but I think when I have refined the surface, when I feel that the general lines and poses of a figure or even an abstract work uh, fit into place, then I think it's done. I'll, I'll say it's finished, ready to cast it in bronze, knowing that it's going to last for thousands of years. It's a serious moment. It's a serious moment. Thank you very much. I hope I didn't torture you with my question, but I Not was curious. <laughs> I, I had a, a sculptor, lady sculptor, uh, sculptress on my TV show when I was in New York years ago. And I said to her, Sylvia, how do you know when you're done? Now, I've been painting. I've been doing watercolors and paint pouring acrylics and collages for about four, four years. I got about 300 pieces, all very casual. When I do some mm. AI art, I'll create something in AI. I'll take it, Mike, I'll print it on clear film, eight and a half by 11. Then I run down to my art studio, put it face down on 12 by 12 cardstock, rub the back of it so the ink comes off. It ends up almost like a tracing. And then I fill it in with glitter and with paint and with materials. And six of them are hanging on display in the hair salon here in Loudoun called the Village Salon. They like them so much. We frame them and they're not really for sale, but they just came out really pretty. So my question is to with Sylvia how do you know when you're done? And how do I know as an artist when a piece is finished? And it's like, Julie Beth, how will you know when your book is exactly done? How will I know when my novella is done? Cindy, same thing with you. Yep. So that's always a, a, a creativity question I'm curious about is when do you look at it? I know I'll look at a painting and maybe I'll go back and do it or I'll just paint right over it again a couple months later, whatever. But I look at something and I say, Sephini, that's it. It's done. I know. I just feel it. It's done. And that's what this Sylvia person said to me. She said, I know. I just know when it's done. So there we go. Thank you, Mike. Very provocative quote. I pre You didn't think we'd get that much out of that quote, did you? And kudos, did to, kudos to your wife as well. And tell her I said hello. Julie Bass, here we go. Julie Bass, I'm going to try not to sing your quote. I would appreciate it if I don't. Mary Poppins played by the wonderful Julie Andrews. I think this put her on the map. 1964, you all know where I'm going with this. American musical fantasy comedy film combining live action and animation. And it was produced by Walt Disney, songs written and composed by the Sherman Brothers, whoever they were, based on P.L. Travers' book series, Mary Poppins. This was Julie Andrews' feature film debut, and it made her a star. She visited a dysfunctional family in London and used her unique brand of lifestyle to improve the family's dynamic. Other people in the show, Dick Van Dyke, Mike David Tomlinson, Glynis John just passed away last week. The film was shot in Burbank, California. Ah, using painted London background scenes. I don't know if you knew that, Julie Beth. It wasn't in London at all. It grossed $31 million in its domestic run and became the highest grossing film of 1964. At the time, it was Disney's highest grossing film ever. Consider one of the, one of, it's one of Disney's only films that earned a Best Picture nomination while Walt Disney was alive. Very iconic. Here's the quote. 
A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Good quote for an EMT. Okay, Julie Beth, what does this have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. First of all, my mom was a nurse, retired nurse, but a retired nurse with two master's degrees. I don't know anybody in life who gets two master's degrees and has the patience of Joe, but um, I, she would always say, Julie Beth, or when she's really, it would be Julie Elizabeth, because that's my whole name, but um, she would say, just remember, you know, because I'm from the South, and um, she would say, you know, you kill people with kindness, and remember, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And keep your guns in your pockets at school today. <laughs> I got I to gotta go to a full shot. Hold on. All right, everybody, you can laugh again. <laughs> that was a good one, Julie okay. Beth. You snuck it in on me, dear. Go ahead. Well, um, because I can tell you this cute little story. Um, that my, I had a sister who wore glasses, and I told the, the boys if they called her four eyes one more time, that was it. That was it. So sure enough, I, I said to my best friend, Dee, we've got them. We've got them after, after we get home today. We got them if, um, if they say it to her. And she had some cerebral palsy, so she was um, challenged. And so um, I said, y'all are going to, you're all going to get it if you say it to her one more time. And sure enough, um, my best friend, Dee, and myself beat these boys up. We never beat anybody up in my life again, but we did. And um, that's how it came to keep your guns in your pockets. But also my spouse says it to me all the time if I get a little upset. That to put the bananas next to the cold things, and by the time I get home, they get they, they're bruised or something. I picked out the perfect ones. I stood there for 10 minutes and picked out the perfect ones, you know. That's the kind of thing I am with creativity, too. But I really do have a routine. I'm kind of a routine. I am up religiously at 5 a.m. every morning, kind of have this routine I do with the dog. And then I do a thymus tap, these this tap and rubs and and um, three points that help the creativity, which is here if anybody wants to learn. And then you rub mm -hmm. and then you come here. And I believe in stuff like that. And it just kind of energizes me because I, I'm – a little bit of one of those who really likes to feel free with my creativity a little bit, what comes to me that day. And I am also working on a novel. It's just not my priority. I just go to it. So I do have a creative one. Um, and that that title is No Blues, if you need to know that one day. But Thank you. I'm kind of one of the one of these jumping gun and get in kind of girls. Um I, I'm just detecting the accent. Tell us, where, where is what's the origin of your accent, Julie Beth? Well, Texas, okay. originally, but I'm in North Carolina now. Where Where are you? I was in Durham for five years. You know that. Where are Wilmington, you now? Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay, very, very interesting. Well, I, I don't sound New York because my mom was from Pennsylvania, and I inherited a little bit of her accent. So I, I've never been accused of being like, you know, like new New york or nothing. <laughs> anyway, Julie Beth, I wanted. So I was interviewed by somebody uh, on his show, his podcast, about a week ago, and he said to me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "At around the age of eight, I wanted to be a writer. I think I wrote a little novel, a little book. I don't have it anymore." And when you said that, it sparked a memory in me. So, thank you for bringing that up. And I get up quite early and start my day. It's a. Uh, it's interesting. Anyway, Julie Beth, thank you so much. Let's go to Cindy Gurman. And Cindy has picked a very serious quote, which is lovely, from Roy Tin Cup McAvoy, played by Kevin Costner. Isn't he wonderful? Tin Cup is the movie, 1996 American romantic comedy and sports film 
That's a lot of genres in there. Co-written by Ron Shelton. And it stars Kevin Costner, Renee Russo. I love her. Cheech Marin, Don Johnson. It grossed $75 million against a $45 million budget. Not a bad return on the money. Costner got a nomination for Golden Globe for Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. And the synopsis is Roy Tin Cup McAvoy is a former golf prodigy leading a generally aimless re- existence. I was going to say resistance. He owns a ramshackle driving range in West Texas. There's Texas, Julie, where he drinks and hangs out with his pal Romeo Posar and their friends. One day, in comes Rene Russo, Dr. Molly Griswold, a clinical psychologist looking for a golf lesson. She's been dating David Sims, the top pro golfer who played with Roy in college. And Roy is attracted to Molly. I'll leave the rest. Here is the quote, Cindy. When a defining moment comes along, you define the moment or the moment defines you. Okay, Cindy, you're up. Lovely quote. Tell us, what does this have to do with your creativity? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, we all have many decision points in our lives where, um, depending on what decision you make, you could go down very many different paths. Um, and uh, if we don't take risks and we don't uh, jump on things, opportunities that come our way, then we won't experience the full richness uh, and tapestry of life. And so um, this really resonated with me, um, especially because during the co-writing of the book with with our son, he said to me, don't let life happen to you, make life happen for you. And that really became my motto um, after the book was done. I just carried that and I think about that um, every day. Um, and because I was in a, in a pattern of just, you know, kind of going through the motions, you know, um, and not really focusing on what's important. It helped me to reevaluate my life and, and really kind of change my focus into helping other people more, um, helping other people that are in grief through the book and, and also helping to raise money for research on more effective treatments for addiction because it's such a crisis in our country. It certainly is. We hear about it in the news all the time, and it's something that is not controlled yet and needs to be. We got to get rid of some of the sadness, don't we, Cindy? Yes. Take away the opportunities for sadness and get to more joyfulness. That's what we all need. Thank you all for your quotes. I really appreciate it. Julie Beth, you wanted to come on the show and have fun. Are you having fun yet? Tell me. I really am. She and really brain, is. Okay. It, yeah, because my brain usually shuts off at four. You know, I shut it <laughs> off. At four. Well, lady, I'm very, very honored. Now, let me go to the next part of the show. Here's where I'm going to pick one or more statements from what you each sent me on your creativity <laughs> statements. I'll read the statement. And Mike, you're up first. I'm going to read your statement number three. You don't have to find it, Mike. I will read it for you. Mike, I'd like you to unpack it for two or three minutes. And then, and it's about you, not your wife. Okay, this is you. Now, <laughs> Uh, if Julie Beth or Cindy has anything to say, I can see you on Zoom. So just wiggle. You know, you all, I think you each have five fingers on each hand. Well, there's one mean finger in the middle. I don't respond to that. So just, I think I just showed everybody. So just pick one of your nice fingers and, and wave and I will call on you and you can comment back to Mike. So here's what Mike said in number three. He said, I believe that most everything in life is seen through the lens of possible variations. And he puts those in quotes. This comes from the habit of seeing through the obvious to what could be. I like this, Mike. This is just speaks to creativity. So please tell us your interpretation of it. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, my my thoughts on that would be that uh, in the in the realm of creativity, we put opposites together so often. Unlikely 
uh, thoughts to uh, try out new ideas. Uh, it's, it's part of creativity to explore uh, what isn't the obvious. And I think that's, uh, that's what I had in mind with that. I'm doing that daily where I'm trying to think outside of the box and trying to put a different kind of solution into any problem that I set up for myself in the studio, uh, whether it's a painting, drawing, or sculpture. And uh, so that's the root of that. I appreciate that. The, the possible variations, it's interesting because anything can be made a little bit different, can it, Mike? Even in art, you can add a color or you can add another material or you could make the wingspan from 14 feet to 14.1 feet, right? Everything can be, and that goes to my question before is how do you know when you're done, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned yourself that you, uh, yeah. you've painted over some yes. of your paintings, which I've done too. And uh, I'll also say that some of my worst paintings, some of the paintings that weren't working well, uh, turned out to be some of the best if I just stuck with it and didn't quit. So that's another dimension of that, uh, that realm of creativity is that don't give up too soon. Uh, keep thinking of, of other options and Absolutely. explore other possibilities. So Absolutely. Uh, when I moved into this house, there was a, a sunroom, not heated, but somebody had added it onto the, the back of the house. And I said to the movers, I bought a, bought a beautiful table that had leaves in it. You know, when you could expand a table to go from four to six, eight to ten people. It was my mom's table. gorgeous wood, a beautiful edging to it, beautiful legs. I said, put it in there. Then I had a table I had broken in Durham, and there was a big, heavy piece of glass that had gone that was part of the table was still intact without any bad edges. I said, put that on top of that. I put all my artwork in there and I turned it into an art studio. Mike, it's at the corner of the house. It has six windows. It's got a door to the back porch. It's not heated. So I do have a little heater out there, but I put a couple lights in and I extended that table. So I have all of my collage materials, all my paints, all my colors, all my glitters, all my brushes. I put a couple of small cabinets in there and it turned out to be a delightful space that instantly became my art studio. What do you think of that, Mike? It just I think it's I think it's great. There are there once in a while we create something that uh, re-energizes when we it feeds gives us feedback when we look to it. Uh, it doesn't happen with every piece, but it's so wonderful to look at a piece once in a while that just moves you, and uh, it's a wonderful thrill, a full circle. Yes, and and this room makes me happy. This this room where they had a table and they were dying. I didn't want to schlep food from the kitchen through the house out to this thing. I don't know why they did that, but I guess the sunroom is a sunroom. But the light is just fabulous in that room. So I'm enjoying that. I put blinds oh, up good. on the windows. It's lovely. So thank you very much. Let's go to you, Julie Beth. And Julie Beth, I'm going to read your statement number one. I love this one. And this is interesting. Cindy's going to be a little surprised by this one and maybe even Mike. So Julie Beth says, my creativity flows best when I'm folding clothes. I don't like washing. I knew I knew it. I knew Cindy. I knew this would get you. I don't like washing. I don't like drying. I just like the quiet act of folding. It frees my mind to wander. Julie Beth, you got to take us through this. I love the statement. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I kind of like clothes for one thing, and I like them to be very much in an orderly fashion. And I had to learn when I had to stop running. I was a big marathon runner. And um, I had to stop because my spine gave out and I had a CSF leak. And that's not a good thing when you're leaking cerebral spinal fluid. And Ow. so, and yeah, and two surgeries and yeah. And um, 
Yeah, kind of a rare thing, but um, it's been big recovery. But um, but I like the folding because the, the clothes smell clean. I like clean smelling things. And I also like the art of just kind of getting it my way. It's one of the few things I can do my darn way. I was going to use another word, but I know we're on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or somebody's not bossing me. <laughs> Because, you know, I call my spouse the bossy one. I'm the cute one. But <laughs> and um, You're a real yeah, but surprise that's one of my really few bad. little free moments and, until the dog tries to steal something and pulls it away out of because he loves to get in the laundry basket. But that's kind of fun, too. I just let him and he has his time with it and um, I get it back eventually. But it it's really, really bad, we turned, uh, huh? <laughs> I just wanted to say that uh, I, I used to wash dishes when I was growing up, and it seemed to be the most creative time when I'm doing something routine where you don't have to use all of your mind. The mind it, is, is doing something else. Yeah. It is. It's, it's yeah. a stimulate, stimulates quiet thinking. time. Yeah. Julie, yeah. Yeah, let's continue. Okay, yeah, Cindy. Go ahead. It's the quieting of the mind to allow other things to come in because our, our brains are such so, so full of clutter, <laughs> right? Most of the time, it's like 10 million things going on and um, quieting it down and letting things come, you know, thoughts come in and well, recognizing taking, them. Taking back on that thought, I thought I list, I read some research the other day. Two things is that, um, you know, we all have about 50,000 thoughts a day and only 10,000 are positive. That's amazing when you think about. And this is a very positive thing that I do. You know, I, it's all nothing. I'm not being critical. I don't have to edit thing. I don't have to look at the computer. It's very hand, hands-on kind of thing. And, um, and I, I think it reminds me a little bit of my mother because she always very good at folding and doing and, you know. Um, there is an art to folding. And you know, the, the one thing that, that is the enigma of fold. First of all, my grandpuppies love to take socks. If they, when they come, I have to hide the socks, and and no hand towels can be out because Amos just he'll just take it, run all over the house. It gets all wet. It's okay. He can have it, but his mommy doesn't want him to have it. So, uh, what was I going to say? Um, there's. I was going to say first of all, Cindy, you mentioned clutter in our heads, and and Julie Beth, think if we need a Marie Kondo, the, mm -hmm. the anti clutter lady, to help us declutter our brains. But there is so much going on, and there is that time to just let things come in when you're doing, but what's the one piece of, I'll say everything, everybody has this in their home that is almost impossible to fold. And there are now YouTubes on how to do it. What do you think? A fitted sheet. sheet. Yes. A fitted <laughs> yeah. sheet. Somebody, yeah, did, <laughs> somebody did a blog I saw last week and they didn't put the diagram. They say, you take the two opposite ends and you put them to, and you do this. I, I mentally went through the picture I went in my bedroom and took out a sheet and opened it up, put it on the floor. My floor is very clean. You know what I do? What? I take a pillowcase and, and just throw everything in there. <laughs> I like mine smooth. I like mine smooth. There you go. If it's a Why bother type. folding it? I mean, just put it on the bed. Well, I mean, the finished sheet never I'm, looks like it's folded anyway. <laughs> that's that's I, true. I'm, I'm, I'm from the South. I like mine ironed. <laughs> oh, oh. 
Well, <laughs> good one, Julie Beth. Julie Beth, when I met you at the summit, you were so serious. And I said to you, yeah, come on, we, we're going to set some guide with some guardrails here on what you're going to talk about on my show. I never figured you to be the cute comedian on the show. I just had no idea. So, I'm paying you a compliment. I said to her, now listen, this is the deal we're going to make. She, okay, I'll behave myself. That's fine. <laughs> okay, Texas girl. Okay, let's move on. I have a statement from Cindy German. And Cindy, I'm picking your statement number two. I like this. You say, creatives create an environment of curiosity and continual learning. And Cindy says, I've always been curious about how things work and why. Sometimes I said to my kids, if if I said to my kids is that if I wasn't continually learning in my job, I would stagnate and then I would like my job nearly as much. So I'm not going to continue this because I want to hear you say it. So Cindy, curiosity and learning, that's what creativity is, isn't it? I know that Mike is nodding and Julie Beth too. So go ahead, Cindy, talk to me. Yeah, yeah. and I said earlier, um, and you said it just now. If uh, if I if I'm not learning, I feel like I'm stagnating, um, especially in my job or whatever that job may be. Um, I think there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of companies and businesses that um, don't create an environment of learning, and it's sort of like you do the job and you get out and you come back the next day and you you know you do this 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 this, and I think they're missing an opportunity because people are much more motivated when they're learning and being creative. Um, I, I really truly believe that. And, um, and, and creative in the sense, you know, whether it's, it, it could be how to be more efficient, how to make the job more fun, how to make the, the job, you know, produce more or whatever it may be. Um, I found out during the writing of the book, here's a little, a little nugget, uh, that learning extends beyond our physical life, that we will have an eternity of learning. And I'm actually looking forward to that because I love to learn. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Uh, I've always looked for adjectives to go with the word creativity. And on a show, oh, it was last year, middle of the year, a, a lady said she believed in courageous creativity. Mm. And I really like mm. that. Don't I like that too. I, I think that risk-taking uh, is key to creativity and of course that takes courage. Uh, so with with no without risk, there is no creativity. So yeah, it's there. It's built in. I like that. And you know, I used to do interviews one-on-one -on -one with authors on my early radio shows many years ago. I won't tell you how many years ago. I was a drive-time Friday night host on WGBB AM 1240, the oldest AM station on Long Island, way, way out, West Babylon. And uh, I was doing interviews and it was fun. And then a couple of years ago, I decided I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to be creative and courageous. And I'm not going to do one-on-ones anymore. I'm going to have three or four guests on each show. Now, I have four shows currently. And each one has three or four guests. And sometimes all four shows are live in one week. One on Monday, two on Tuesdays, and one on Wednesday. So if you figure three, three, three is nine plus four is 13. I have 13 guests a week. Now, can you imagine the courage it takes to say, this is my wow. people? Say, oh, can we just do it with two? Nope. Nope. Some shows have four required. That's the format. That's great. Some have three. So I, I basically broke the mold. And I respect people who can talk for an hour to one person. I think it's great. I did it. I did it for years. But now I want to get more voices. I want to get Julie Best's voice and Mike's voice and Cindy's voice. I want to give the audience a chance to hear many voices, many perspectives, many points of view. And Julie Best, I'm picking one more of your statements because there's a really cute one in here, number four. Don't go looking for it, lady. I'm going to surprise you. 
Julie Beth says, creativity abounds in my wardrobe, my home, my roses, and my meatloaf. <laughs> Just want to let that last one sink in. So separate from folding sheets, Julie Beth, and ironing them, tell me about your meatloaf. I think we're all waiting. Mike is waiting for the recipe. Mike, you can write this down. Go ahead, Julie it's my, Beth. It's, it's, my, it's my mama's recipe. It's, it's, of course. It's, it's an all-beef recipe. There's no pork, no veal, but it has bison and grass-fed beef. Now grass-fed because it's better for us. And it's about... It's about two two to one. It used to be more like half and half, but you can get ground bison at Whole Foods now. My mom used to, you know, used to get meat from the butcher for like six months at a time way back and order it. And my they would order all their different cuts and all that. That's what we did, you know. Um, so uh, what does bison taste like? Is it it's very it's very good and it's not as fatty, so it's a little right. healthier for you. And it's never been hybridized, so it's really a clean, what they call a cleaner meat now. Now, don't quote me. That's what I've been told. I heard it was hasn't been like, you know, hybridized like all interbred. If bison, I get any bison. hate mail, I'll send it to you. It's okay. <laughs> okay, um, it's delicious, and it? it really, it really is. We I do. thought for sure you were going to say bourbon. Uh, that was your secret uh, ingredient. <laughs> well, right that's there. another secret. That's after this. Um, Angel's, oh. in, Angel's what, kind of, what kind of seasoning do you put in it, Julie Beth? What okay, do you put I, I put um, I put parsley. I I used to put garlic, but my spouse doesn't like the garlic, so I ha I have to use onions now. So you know, you learn to kind of tweak things to keep yep. things, and then. Um, the biggest thing is, is I use a potato flake. I don't use a um, a bread. The the only kind of bread I would use if I was doing it bready for somebody is sourdough. That's what my mother used. But I use a potato flake. I like it because it's it it keeps it a little looser. Mm -hmm. And then I put a sauce on. I put I make my own tomato sauce, and I cheat with a little bit of tomato paste to, that um, I'll get a little tomato paste. But I learned how to do tomato sauce for my mom she was a good cook my mama and my grandmama and um so do and an I like do you put an egg in the mix i put an egg in I, my turkey I, meatballs I, I do i do put a couple eggs in that mix because usually i make i get this big stainless steel thing out and I, if i'm gonna make them i'm gonna make it three at a time mm -hmm. because i'm gonna yeah. i'm not gonna stand in the kitchen without having some left but it's great what I call the best food in the world is funeral food. That sounds awful. I'm from the South, but it's funeral food. You know, the deviled eggs, the, and it's great to take to somebody that, that is one of the best dishes to take to somebody if you're taking food as a gift because something big or happened in your life and they can eat it. And everybody, I don't know too many people who don't like meatloaf. That's that's true. That's true. But I take deviled eggs to potlucks where we have some around here in the community. I always bring deviled eggs and I watch the plate. I go, where did I put that plate? Oh, it's up on there. Oh, oh, they're gone. Okay. Then I know that I did a good job. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we it's, have, it's, it's, we it's have things time. like, you know, little egg salad sandwiches down here, chicken salad sandwiches. You know, people do those a lot and then they do the pimento cheese sandwiches. So, you know, we have that, mm. all those kind of things. But, but kind of known for my meatloaf so um, i had to but, ask about the meat by the way when i season my i don't eat red meat anymore but when i season my turkey ground turkey with a little bit of breadcrumbs and uh, sometimes uh, the panko crumbs which are a little little stiffer and an egg yes. and a little bit of i use johnny seasoned salt if you don't know it look it up it comes in a big jar and get the non msg kind that's what i buy i got a oh. big 
big thing about 20 bucks and it lasts for about three years. I filled a small jar and just keep it filled. But I use a combination, you won't believe this, of, of Heinz ketchup and um, Baby Ray's honey barbecue sauce. And oh. I mix those in a, in a measuring cup and I add a little bit of hot water and stir it up and add that over. And I add a Vidalia onion and saute it either in a little bit of canola oil or I put it into the meat, into the, it was basically meatloaf. And then I, I make meatballs about this big and you can have them with penne pasta or over rice and they're, <gasps> but I have one little thing I forgot. Yeah. what you got? Got to tell you, we put, my mother put V8 juice in it too. V8 uh -huh. juice. Yes. Yes. Give a little, little oh, bit of spice there. That's interesting. I was yeah. going to go through and do the Capricorn and see if anybody wanted to be an honorary, but let's skip that because I have some famous birthdays and some music events, and I usually have to rush through these, and I thought we'd have a little more time. We only have seven minutes left, so let's do this right, okay? And then we're going to have a little shout-out we do together at the end, and I want you all to get your laugh muscles relaxed because you're <laughs> going to join me in an uncontrollable laugh for three seconds, but not yet. Julie Beth? Wait, please be patient. Okay, she's. I can tell she's thinking meatloaf and laughing. Okay, so anybody remember a young girl on America's Got Talent when she was, oh goodness, she was just a little girl. She was 11 years old writing her own songs. Her name is Grace Vanderwall. She's a singer and ukulele player. Remember, Cindy? And she was on, she she <coughs> saved enough money to buy her own ukulele when she was 11, but she sang on America's Got Talent, her original song, I Don't Know My Name, captivated everybody. And she, I think she won, and everybody was shocked. She was good. She was a kid. She's 19 years old today. Happy birthday, Grace Vanderwall. Then we know there's a rapper named Pitbull. Anybody heard of Pitbull? He's mm. 42 today. His real name is Armando Perez. He had an album, Revolution, and he won the Billboard Music Award for Top Radio Songs for a song called Give Me Everything 11 years ago. I didn't know he was around that long. Uh, what's interesting is his mother threw him out of the house at 16. Cindy, you'll appreciate this because he was dealing drugs like his dad was. And she threw him out. And he picked the name Pitbull because a Pitbull Terrier locks its jaw when it fights. And he says it's too stupid to lose. So he went on and started writing songs and performing. And now he's known all over the world for good stuff. So happy birthday, Pitbull. We all know a beautiful actress named Regina King. American Film and TV Actress, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for If Beale Street Could Talk. She's been in so many shows. Uh, she played on 227 with Marla Gibbs, uh, Brenda Jenkins, and she was on Watchmen on HBO and all kinds of movies. She's 52. She has certainly done herself proud. She does a lot of advertisements as well. Chad Lowe. He is 55 today. He's Rob's brother. Rob has a brother named Chad, and he was on ER and all kinds of team. Melrose Place. Yes, okay. And he was on uh, Pretty Little Liars. He played Byron Montgomery. I have to go back and look. And this one is for all of us. There's a wrestler who's 36 named Kelly Kelly. K-E-L-L-Y, K-L-L-Y. It's a girl. She's a girl. She was born Barbara Jean Blank, and she's known professionally as Barbie Blank. Okay, rose to fame as an exhibitionist and won the WWE Divas Championship in 2011, and she's on a reality show on E! called WAGS. Okay, now, we all know today is Martin Luther King Day, so just in tribute, he was born on January 15th, 1929. He was taken out on April 4th, 1968, at the age of 39, African-American civil rights movement leader and clergy, and we all know him for his iconic speech, I Have a Dream. So we'll leave that there. Now, I have two social media stars I want you to all know about. i got a couple minutes here. Uh, there's a reason I'm telling you this. On TikTok, for, uh, this is for you, Julie. On TikTok, there is a young lady who's 35 today. I call that young. She's called the nursery nurse. She has 3 million followers. 
Okay, just three million. Usually I get people with 15 million or 20 million. So it's kind of slow today, but she's got 3 million followers. She had a, uh, she does comedic videos about her experiences working at a nursery and she recreates stories from her followers. One of her videos has 249 million likes. Wow. Cindy, if only, right? If, if wow. only. Yeah. And then I have a young lady who's only 22, whose name is Adela Dadal, D-A-D-O-L-L with the capital D in the middle of Dadal. She only, poor kid, she only has a million fans. She posts her vlogs and her lifestyle, fashion and fitness content, cooking and beauty content. And she had one video, uh, a room makeover that got over 2 million views. Can you even imagine? On this day in music history, 1961, the Supremes signed with Motown Records. It was Mary Wilson, Diana Ross, Florence Ballard, and another singer named Barbara Martin. Nobody's ever heard of her. She left a year later, but here's the deal. They were all under 18, except Barbara Martin. Diana Ross was 16, and they couldn't do it without parental consent. So Barry Gordy, the head of Motown, and his sister Esther had to go to their parents and say, will you let these beautiful, talented girls sign a contract? So that's how they got to be the Supremes. In 1967, Mick Jagger was singing Let's Spend the Night Together uh, with the Rolling Stones on the Ed Sullivan Show, and he was told, you can't say that. And that's before <laughs> the word PC. So he had to spend, he had to change the lyrics to let's spend some time together. And he rolled his eyes when he sang the lyrics to make Ed Sullivan happy. On this day in 1972, Don McLean's American Pie hit number one in the U.S. for four weeks. It, did you all know that that single runs eight and a half minutes and you have to turn the 45 over to hear the rest of it? Julie Beth knows that. Uh, in 1981, Phil Collins played in the air tonight on the top of the pops with a paint can and a brush, and he was referencing the painter who his wife cheated on him with. We'll leave that one alone. In 1992, on Entertainment Tonight, Brenda Lee, remember rocking around the Christmas? I said I wouldn't sing. Brenda Lee criticized the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How dare she? 20 years ago, she said a lack of female talent. They're not being recognized. The Shirelles, Dionne Warwick, and Connie Francis are the women who pioneered rock and roll, and they're just as important as the men. Can you imagine? Little tiny, four foot eleven, Brenda Lee went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and said, shame on you. And let's see. Today, January 15th, is, we got one minute left, Elementary School Teacher Day, Martin Luther King Day, National Bagel Day, National Booch Day, that's Kombuka, National Fresh Squeeze Juice Day, Hat Day, Kayla Day, you know somebody named Kayla, say hello, Pothole Day, Strawberry Ice Cream Day, Wikipedia Day. I do give them money because I use them all the time. And no name calling day. January is the month of apple and apricots, artichokes and asparagus, bread making machine month, international brain teaser, international creativity, hobby month, hot tea month, mail order gardening, national oatmeal month and polka month. And I'm going to stop there. So I want to thank all of you so much. Don't go away. We'll talk afterwards. I have to tell you that in 2014, I was using the following top 10 tips for women. And the number one on my radio show in my list was aspire to be Barbie. The biatch has everything. And here we are. And they've got a movie about her. Okay. Won all kinds of awards at the Critics' Choice. So listen up, everybody. Here we go. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Well, not so much. Kiss slowly. Love truly. Here we go. One, two, three. Laugh uncontrollably with me. Mike, you ready? One, two, three. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. And never, ever regret anything that made you smile. Final words. Work like you don't need the money. Nobody else really cares. 
Maybe some do. Dance like nobody's watching. When I was teaching disco and high heels on a Formica tabletop at a high school in Eugene, Oregon, everybody expected me to fall off the table, and I didn't. That's why they watched Great Legs, too. Sing like nobody's listening. I tried not to not to sing, but I did. And love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Get over it. Let your heart open up. We grow. Right, Cindy? Rejuvenate. Yes. And accept love again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La. And last but not least, I stole this line from somebody years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red saying goodbye. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Wave goodbye to Voice America. Jordan, are we out? Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.